Welcome to another edition of Focus on the Kingdom. I'm Anthony Buzzard, inviting you again to spend some moments searching the Scriptures with me as we investigate the Bible's central topic and Jesus' favorite theme, the Gospel about the Kingdom of God. Anyone picking up a New Testament for the first time could establish in a few moments the fact that Jesus was preoccupied above all with a favorite theme, the Gospel about the Kingdom of God. In Mark chapter 1 and verses 14 and 15, Jesus came into Galilee, and we read there that he commanded obedience and attention to the gospel of God. He called the gospel of God the good news about the kingdom, and he urged his audiences to repent and commit themselves wholeheartedly to him and his message concerning the kingdom of God. It was a cry for the nation of Israel to return to their God, with their religious establishment and their various traditions, they had departed far from the intention of God revealed in Scripture. The question is, could the same accusation be made of us today? Could it perhaps be the case that our traditions have interfered with our reception of the gospel as Jesus preached it? Have they, so to speak, created a barrier between us and intelligent understanding of the Bible? Jesus came preaching the kingdom as the heart of the gospel. Today we hear very little about the gospel of the kingdom. We hear only that Jesus died and rose again. Now certainly those great facts are important elements in the gospel story, but Jesus did not lay the foundation of the gospel with talk about his death and resurrection. In fact, he and the apostles preached the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom, long before they said a word about his death and resurrection. That must show to any unprejudiced reader of the Bible that there's more to the gospel, the Christian faith, that is, than simply the death and resurrection of Jesus, central and important as those facts are. We will not come to grasp the gospel as Jesus and Paul preaches unless we take to heart the important statement of Paul in Galatians 3, verse 8, that the gospel was preached beforehand to Abraham. In Romans 15, in verse 8, Paul remarked that Jesus came to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs, to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. It's essential then if we're to grasp the meaning of the Christian gospel, the gospel of salvation, that we take in the information given prior to the New Testament, given in fact by covenant, by oath-bound covenant to Abraham. Galatians 3.8 is a critically important text for anybody attempting to understand the ministry and the mission of Jesus Attempting, in fact, to understand the Christian faith, Galatians 3.8 specifically says that the gospel is to be found in the covenant made between God and Abraham. Now, what indeed was that covenant? Well, clearly it consisted of a two-pronged offer on the part of God. The gospel, as preached to Abraham, consisted of a promise of a distinguished seed who turned out to be the Messiah, the descendant of Abraham and David, but in addition, the gospel, as it came to Abraham, had to do with a permanent gift of land. The land of Canaan was to be given to Abraham and his seed forever in perpetuity. Now, when Jesus came preaching, he echoed the land promise of Abraham beautifully when he said, Blessed are the meek, they're going to have the land as their inheritance. Matthew 5, verse 5. That's the verse which so beautifully links the Old Testament with the New. Jesus there speaks of the land promise, the covenanted land promise made to Abraham. 
And he now equates it with the kingdom of God. Jesus can say equally, the meek are going to inherit the earth, or the poor in spirit are going to have the kingdom as their inheritance. You inherit the kingdom in the New Testament, you inherit the earth. Both of those phrases tie Jesus' gospel closely to the covenant made with Abraham in Genesis 12 and Genesis 13. In Genesis 13, you remember that Abraham was invited to look north, south, east, and west, but not, incidentally, up into the sky, to heaven. And God said to Abraham that he would give the entirety of the geographical area which Abraham was able to see, that he would give it to him permanently. Now, that land promise, the promise of the land of Canaan, comes into the New Testament then as a promise of the land made to the meek. Jesus, then, is the one to whom this promise was made. He's the inheritor of the great land promise, and he shares it with those who will believe in his gospel and prepare now to possess that land when Jesus comes back. Those who believe in the gospel of the kingdom are, in fact, being invited to supervise and rule that kingdom or that land of the future, the land to be established and renovated and refreshed when the Messiah reappears from heaven in power and great glory. Now, since Christians are to be the recipients of the famous land promise made to Abraham, you would expect Christians to be searching to find the terms of that covenant which God made with Abraham. In Genesis 17, verses 6 to 8, we have this important statement about what God guaranteed to Abraham and his seed. In verse 6, God said to Abraham, I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come forth from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you. And I will give to you, Abraham, and to your seed after you the land where you are now an alien, all the land of Canaan, as an everlasting possession and I will be their God. Quite clearly then, Abraham is to receive the land forever. Abraham died not having received the land. In fact, he'll only receive it in the resurrection. That fact is clearly stated in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 13. We read there that all the faithful of the Old Testament, Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, Moses and so on, they all died not having received the promise. We read that they were looking forward eagerly to a country of their own, but they never received it. They were aliens and strangers in the land, which actually belonged to them, potentially, but which they never owned. In Hebrews 11.39, we read that all the faithful, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised. And the purpose of that was, as we read in verse 40, God had provided something better for us, for us Christians, so that apart from us Christians, they, the Old Testament faithful, would not be made perfect. You see then that we're all going to be made perfect. The faithful of the Old Testament, the faithful of the New Testament times, are all going to be made perfect in one grand community by resurrection into the kingdom of God when Jesus returns. You remember that Jesus said, when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom, and he was pointing forward there to the future resurrection of the faithful when the sleeping dead are raised in resurrection 
and caught up to meet the Lord as he descends towards the earth, Jesus, you see, at the second coming will be on his way back to the earth. He's coming back to stay here and to rule on the earth. And we'll go out to meet this distinguished visitor and escort him back to the earth. We'll be coming down to the earth with Jesus. And we read in Zechariah chapter 14 and verse 4 that he's going to set his feet in that future day on the Mount of Olives. And at that point, Jesus will take over world government. He will, in fact, snatch power from the anti-Christian forces which will be dominating Jerusalem at that time. The Assyrian in Messianic prophecy should be considered carefully if one wants to understand where those anti-Christian forces will come from. Micah chapter 5 and verse 6 speaks of the time when the Messiah is going to deliver Israel from the Assyrian, from the land of Nimrod, in other words, from the geographical area of Babylon, where apparently this evil anti-Christian power will have arisen and will have taken over Palestine and attempted to exterminate the Jewish people. Jesus will arrive and save the remnant of the Jews in the Middle East and at the same time catch up the saints who are living and resurrect the saints who have died, the saints of all the ages, and in one great company... They will meet Jesus as he's on his way down to the earth and they will then take over the world government with Jesus and that's what's meant by the kingdom. We're to pray, thy kingdom come. In so praying, we're praying for the great event of the second coming, for a change of world power when the kingdoms of this world, according to Revelation 15 to 18, will then have become the kingdom of God and Messiah will rule forever with his saints. Blessed indeed are the meek, they're going to not only have the earth as their possession, but they're going to rule as kings upon the earth. Revelation 5 and verse 10. Now there's a royal element, a royal strand in the Abrahamic covenant. We've seen that the land and the kingdom were promised to Abraham in perpetuity, but there's also the promise that kings will come in the line of Abraham. Genesis 17 verse 6 reads, I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come forth from you. And then again in the 17th chapter and verse 16 of Sarah, God said, I will bless her, and indeed I will give you a son by her, by Sarah. Then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations, and kings of people shall come forth from her. Remember that in Galatians 3.29, Paul said, if you're a Christian, then you are Abraham's seed. You count as the seed or descendants of Abraham, and you become an heir of the promises made to Abraham. Included in those promises, then, were not only the gift of land, of property, of real estate, forever, but also kingship. Jesus, therefore, calls Christians to be kings. We're going to rule as kings upon the earth. Revelation 5 and verse 10. Let's summarize our findings and invite you to check the text we've been mentioning carefully in your own Bible. Be like the Bereans in Acts 17, verse 11. They investigated the text of Scripture on a daily basis to see if what they were hearing was true. We invite our audiences to check what we're saying and embrace it if you find it to be in accordance with Scripture. Galatians 3, verse 8 says that the gospel, the Christian gospel, was preached ahead of time to Abraham. The gospel, therefore, is based on the covenant made with Abraham. That covenant promises a distinguished descendant, the Christ or the Messiah, 
and a permanent possession of land, the land of Canaan. Jesus came echoing and confirming that promise. In Matthew 5, verse 5, he said, Blessed are the meek, they're going to have the land as their inheritance, as their permanent possession. We read in Hebrews 11 and verse 39 that none of the patriarchs to whom the promise of the land was made ever received that promise of land. And it remains a fact then that they're going to receive it in the resurrection with the rest of us, with all the faithful of all the ages. All will be raised together from the sleep of death in order to inherit the great promises made to Abraham. The Bible is a story about Abraham, about Jesus, the Son of God, the supreme revelation of the will of God for us, the last word of God to the world, and it's a story about your participation in the land promise made to Abraham and also to Jesus. Jesus invites you to share that kingship and that kingdom with him and to exercise royal authority on the earth when he returns to establish the kingdom. I've written a book on this central biblical theme about the kingdom of God. It's entitled, The Coming Kingdom of the Messiah, A Solution to the Riddle of the New Testament. We invite you to request from us a free copy for your personal Bible study at home. You can contact us at the telephone number to be given at the end of this program or write to us at Atlanta Bible College. The address will be given in just a few moments. We also invite you to request from us an article entitled, The Covenant Made with Abraham, a booklet on what happens when we die, and join us again for our continued discussion of Jesus' favorite topic, the gospel about the kingdom of God.